Jeremy White podcast. Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. There we go. Beautiful. Look at that. We are in presence of greatness. Uh, We've got Dee Snyder and we've got uh, Montreal's number one on-air personality. What a a great combination for me this afternoon. (laughs) You you got the VIP package, Mitch. I did. I did. I very much did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just so so you know, for whatever is going on with your setup, it said that it was scheduled for 11 a.m. tomorrow. It told me. Really? You might have yeah. had the wrong link because Mitch got in fine. So we were like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Whatever. We're here now. Yeah, here we are. Let, here let we us are. Uh, let us yeah. let us get this party started. Uh, yeah, we are. Uh, we are speaking with the one and only D Snyder. New album, Leave a Scar, out on July 30th. And uh, I got to tell you, um, it is a kick ass album. I, I wasn't expecting it to be metal. But it was metal. Uh, talk to me about that and not doing sort of a, what do you want to say, a, 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 a retro 80s throwback. I mean, you're, 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 you're going to leave a scar with this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, you know, it, it really reflects the mood and the time, the motivation for coming back. Um, I think I, you may have heard or not heard at this point that I uh, had decided in 2019 that I had, was done. Uh, and uh, did not announce it publicly, but to family and friends, I did. I let everybody know. I let the band know, management know, even mailed my uh, stage boots for the last 20 years to a Canadian fan uh, named Keith, uh, my number one fan, and uh, signed them and said, Keith, put them in your man cave. I'm done. Uh, of course, now I've since then on social media said, Keith, can I get my shoes back? <laughs> So and Keith has reached out, but uh, no, Keith, keep them, in, keep the shoes. I'm getting new ones. It's time for twenty year old shoes. They'll probably disintegrate on me on stage. You know, just come apart. Uh, meanwhile, I'm wearing forty year old cons. I have this pair of uh, red, white, and blue Converse that I pull out every Fourth of July week. <laughs> I realized I got them in like '86. So I'm like, my buddy Adam has an old pair of Chucks from the '80s too. He refuses to let them go. You can't. You got to hold on. Shape. Hardly wear them at all. So anyway, but we're, and, and where do you get red, white, and blue ones? Yes. So uh, so anyway, so coming back to this, Mitch, you know, it was really inspired by the world, about by COVID, by the political state of things, and not just the United States, everywhere. There's something going on in countries all over the world that resembles what's happening in the United States a lot. And um, and for the first time since the 90s, as I, I said uh I called up Jamie and said, I want to do another record, but I want to be part of the writing. I got something to say. I haven't written a lyric since the night, since Widowmaker. I got something to say. And what I have to say, I, when I look, step back from the record, I go, damn, this is like high speed. It is an assault. This record is an assault. Is that because of the musicians you're working with? Is it with Jamie producing it? Where, where did the heaviness come from? Because it's, it's balls to the wall. Like, this is metal. Well, certainly, you know, um, with going back with Jamie, we're going with Jamie on for the love of metal, you know, him challenging me to do a metal record, me saying, look, I love contemporary metal. I just don't know. Speaking of, where my I, way, I just want to hold that up and show that up because this is one of the surprises of last year. It's absolutely phenomenal. A live record. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I wanted, you know, I, I, I've always kept up with what's going on in metal and a fan of me- new me- contemporary metal. 
but I didn't think I had a place. And Jamie said, no, you do. And I can help you find it. So with, for the love of metal, we found that place. And now that I'm there now, J Jamie is shocked by how hard I am. <laughs> he calls me the OG, you know, uh, the OG metalhead. Cause I'm in there going, I'm the one who said, bringing corpse grinder Fisher. I'm the one who said, I need more gangs. I need bigger gangs, harder gangs, more hardcore gangs. And he's going, Holy D. Cause I just, now that you got me through the door, I'm like, I love it here. I'm a metalhead, And now I know I have a place. So get out of my fucking way. But let's go back. You know, we've done history uh, uh, interviews over over our history, and you have said repeatedly since the Twisted Sister Christmas album, "I don't need new music." You know what happens when you play new music? People go to the bathroom. So, so how do you make sure on a new album that people don't go to the bathroom? And and why why go through the whole rigmarole of writing and recording? Why not just go out and play? I want to rock a hundred times. Well, first of all, if you saw the live record, you saw me threaten the audience if they go to the bathroom <laughs> during my new songs. <laughs> I literally I saw that. I have a stage rap in, in Bloodstock about it being daylight, and I could see you leaving. So, uh, um, but really, it was the reaction to For the Love of Metal. Um, I didn't know what it was going to be. I think Jamie did. Well, Jamie, I would say this to Jamie because Jamie knew what it should should be. But I'm sure part of him it is a doubt in any creative's mind going, I, I, these should be welcomed here at this table. He's he's one of those voices. But, you know, and, and when people reacted the way they did, and as I went out live, they were singing the new songs, requesting the new songs. I had not had that experience at all in anything I've done since Twisted Sister. So I saw this real positive reception for new music from me and decided you know to keep it going i mean i it's not that i don't want to do new music it's just i have felt it falls on deaf ears and we've talked about that you know the new song being the bathroom break and even though i threaten the audience if they leave i'm watching with other things from we are the ones and stuff like that it still was just sort of like uh they put up with it basically hmm. you know here's the ob obligatory song or two from the new record and then you're done in my with my now with this new stuff i'm two-thirds of the set is all my material and there's like five songs from twisted now that i'm doing the rest of the stuff is d snyder so wow. if you're going to listen to d snyder you're coming to a d snyder show get ready yeah how, how rewarding is that for you to be able to say that and be able to go out there and perform your songs because yes the twisted stuff is your songs too but you don't have to be a nostalgic you don't have to be that guy that does those songs you can go bd and people care that's that's a great position to be in it's incredibly rewarding so much so that that's one of the reasons i wanted to walk away in 2019 i said all right i had a top 20 record on the billboard charts i people like my songs i'm gonna do a live album i'm let's walk away now drop right on top <laughs> drop the mic see i showed you d steiner's value in the two in 2020 or 2019 whatever it was and i just wanted to walk away you know why take a chance of 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 fucking with that you know i don't know if we can curse in your show or not. Yeah, of course fine okay um you know but i decided i really just you know i just couldn't keep my mouth shut I couldn't keep my mouth shut. And, and there was another thing, you know, was, you look at, I was, I've been analyzing this, you know, really, because I'm trying to understand it myself. All right. What the hell happened? 
you know, I know all my management and my family, they said, we never believed you when you said you were done anyway. Uh, but I meant it in my mind. Um, but what was it? And I, and I realized it was like certain little pieces, you know, and like, so like you were picking a lock and each tumbler you, you picked, it just got closer and closer to opening that door. And one was the state of the world. Another one was a comment, you know, I was very vocal on social media uh, during these COVID times and during these political times. I'm very loud and in your face. Uh, I figure I've got to balance out things since they're all loud in everybody's face. So I got to be loud in people's faces. And I said to people, it's time for you people to freaking, and I wrote the song Stand about this, stand up and fight back. And and someone was a very thoughtful tweet. They said, D, not all of us have the platform or the the voice to do this. You know, I mean, it's great. We want to, but we don't ha- ha- feel like comfortable doing it. What do we do? And I said, well, get behind someone who's 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 screaming for you. And I and I realized at that moment, I said, I'm that guy. Yeah, you were. Being yeah, you are. For the voice, I am the voice of the voiceless. I am the guy. And even though my life is. It's pretty magical, dude. I got to tell you. I mean, I fought hard to get here. Uh, and I have no plans on leaving, but I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. But that doesn't mean just because I'm okay doesn't mean everybody else is. And if I was given this voice and given this platform, then now I got to do it for the others. Yeah. So that was another, uh, another clicking of the tumbler of the lock of me returning to doing a new record. I want to step away from the music for a second because – you were one of the biggest influences on me when I was getting a career going in broadcasting. You had an affiliate down in Daytona Beach on one of the rock stations over there. And I was like, holy shit, D. Schneider has a radio show? And this was right at the beginning of my broadcasting career. I was just always curious, like, how did you get into doing radio? I've been doing radio a long time now, you know. And um, I think it really started oddly uh, with, um, with uh, I had this, okay, go back to high school. I had a... Uh, an annoying girlfriend, not Suzette, uh, and uh, and my parent, annoying parents, and um, I knew from the age of eight that I was going to be a rock star, rock star, rock star, rock star. To the point, I was like, I was mocked for being that brazen for make that statement like you know working on the loading dock of a department store and uh, guys talking about um, retirement benefits, and I'd be like, nineteen. I'm talking nineteen year olds like retirement benefits. You guys are. St- Staying here? Yeah, well, yeah, they got a great plan. And uh, and uh, if my wife got, and I go, man, this is, I'm just getting out of here. Like, what are you doing? I'm going yeah. to be a rock star. Well, that was my nickname. And the rock star got every dirty job. They they'd announced it, rock star, someone vomited on aisle two. Please go clean it up, rock star. <laughs> I mean, I was mocked mercilessly for wanting to be a rock star. But uh, my family convinced me I needed a a backup plan, and I went to college. I'm saying went to, in quotations, had an absentee failure at the end of the year for all courses. Drove and, by uh, every day. Yeah, but I went and majored in communications. I said, if I can't play, if I can't perform, right, record, I will play the records as a DJ. I always liked uh, a lot of air, had a lot of air personalities, very uh, effervescent ones, actually, out of New York, really upbeat guys. And uh, so I, you know, I did a, worked on a radio station. And so I thought that would be something I would do later, as it turned out it was. But uh, after, um, you know, but when I decided to finally, after Twisted Sister, to get into radio, I started at the bottom and worked my way up and uh, been doing it now for a lot of years. Let me just quickly follow up on that. 
Hold on, let me follow up on that for a second. When Twisted was breaking and you had this communications background and you had, you know, publicists and stuff, did you direct how your image was going to get out there? Did you direct and say, okay, we need to book it this way. We need to get this message out. Did you put some of what you learned to practice? No, zero, Uh, you know, uh, zero. Other than I was like, whenever I went to a radio station, they were like, dude, you're amazing on the air. Do you want to like host to get, you know, so I would do a lot of that stuff because I could, because I could. And then I went over to uh, MTV, Heavy Metal Mania and hosted that show. And a lot of all that stuff came from my, you know, I'm in love and attraction and comfort with being the guy on the microphone uh, talking, you know? So, so there, yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, it's so funny. The, the, um, I won't name her name because she's a lovely woman. But when, when Twisted Sister arrived at Atlantic Records and started to happen, uh, this woman wound up getting like raises, the publicist, and for an amazing job she did with Twisted Sister, uh-huh. all she did was answer the phone and say yes. <laughs> all she did was answer her phone and say yes. And when she, got high, when she got stolen by another company and went over there, they realized she really wasn't anything special. And they <laughs> let her go and she went back to Atlantic Records. But, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it's easy when someone's breaking, it's easy to look good as a manager, as a yeah. publicist, as any of those people, because the band's breaking big and all you got to do is pick up phones and go, yes, 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 yes. So yeah, no, no, there was no, um, none of my, uh, none of my knowledge. The job from, of a gatekeeper. Uh, from the New York Institute of Technology actually <laughs> right. was, put to, was put to use with the Twisted Sister. When you're doing the House of Hair, like the radio show and stuff, do you have to deal with all the affiliates and program directors saying like, oh, you know, oh, the segment's not PPM friendly. Like, are you sitting with program directors and your team and like coming up with the sound of the show? Like, like how involved are you in modern radio in today? Not at all. Thank God, because uh, <laughs> Pam Edwards, who is the uh, creator of the show uh, and the producer of the show for and you know and we've been working together now for my god 25 years um but she she'll tell me she deals with it and yeah um you know i would always push for deeper cuts and um you know on these on these on these multi-platinum albums yeah and she would say the pushback that she gets from the, the program directors they just want the damn hits yeah you know i go you got an album that sold diamond. Every track on that record, the first Guns N' Roses album, is is airworthy. Everybody knows every song on that record, mm-hmm. and yet they'll still, you know, we need a little more Paradise City. Like, oh, come on, man. You know, <laughs> and and I and I like you know, and and I've I've pitched it as you know. I said, you know, the thing about those songs when you go with the deep cut, I said, first of all, the songs are good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a good song, and you're not you're not you're not playing a crappy deep cut. You're playing a song that people don't know. That's a really good song. I said, second, a deep cut. I called the diamond in the pocket with the fan. It's like that song the true fan knows about and loves. And when you play the deep cut, it resonates with them, and like they are a fan for life of the show because you acknowledged this deeper track from a band they like. Meanwhile, you didn't play a bad song, and the people listening to it, oh, wow, that sounds really a really cool song, you know? So I really sold that hard, and occasionally we do, we have the, what are the songs from the vault, you oh, know, they'll, they'll give us a treat. God you know? forbid we, we discover new music or, or uh, you know, God forbid. Yeah. Um, let me just quickly ask you about Jamie Jasta. You know, you're D. Schneider. You've been in the business forever, you could produce your own record. You could probably make a call to a Bob Ezrin or to a Bob Rock or to a whatever, whatever, and say, hey, I need, how did you hook up with Jamie? And, and what does he bring to the project, to your sound, to the, to the album? 
Jamie Jasta, uh, you know, known for the band Hate Breed, known for non-vocal vocal, non-melody vocals, uh, is an, such an incredible talent. And uh, and people know, know him as an air personality. He's got his podcast. He was uh, one of the VJs for Headbangers Ball for a while. So he's got that element of him. And and but he's very savvy businessman. He's also very. Uh, he's got a passion for metal of all kinds, and he's a great songwriter. On that first, um, you know, for the love of metal, uh, he and Charlie Belmore did the predominant amount of writing on the record. And, uh, you know, people like Mark Morton from Lamb of God and, and, How and Howard Jones from Kill Switch Engage, uh, Light the Torch now, and Ollie from All the Remains. A lot of people um, came and contributed riffs and stuff like that. But Jamie curated everything, put it all together, produced it with Nikki Belmore, my drummer, who's an amazing engineer mixer, and he co-produced this record, as a matter of fact. And... Um, he, I mean, and, and so they brought the songs to me and the guy's, his, his work ethic is incredible. Like, so I didn't like touch even the lyrics. I said, look, I don't, I love new stuff. I just, every time I write something, it comes out old. And um, so I said, I'm, you know, I so I did a trust fall with Jamie and Jamie put up, valued that greatly. I said, look, man, I'm putting myself in your hands, you know. It's on your head. Uh, so he said he read every lyric I ever wrote, ever wrote, before trying to write words for D. Snyder. Even though, I, though he and I come from the same school of, you know, fighting back, stepping up, you know, like that anthemic kind of thing lyrically, he still studied me. And when he brought me words, I every word I was saying felt like it could come from my mouth. And people said, yeah, but it weren't your words. I said, it's not your right my way. No. no. Did, did did Celine did Elvis write Hound Dog? No. You were right. gonna say Celine Dion. No, you wrote the words for Celine. Let's not forget. And Celine, that. but I was thinking about the one with uh <laughs> and my heart will go on. Go on. No, but it she it she it spoke to her, and when she sings it, when they sing it, Elvis, uh, Frank, it's that it's theirs, you know, and you believe them. You know oh, what I mean? Agree. And that and that's the key is you know, when you read the lyrics, say, can do the can I can I say these and not feel like I'm a fraud? And I know like, this this is, you know, you become the storm. Totally. I get that. I totally get it. that is D Snyder. So Jamie Johnson is just incredibly talented and coming into this one and, and, you know, and a Bob rock or a, or a, a Bob Ezrin, I would be, I wouldn't even think of going to them because it feels like going back to the future. I call it back to the future. You know, you know, they're, you know, big and what they did in, in the day, but can they do contemporary music? And I wanted a damn contemporary record. And plus my daughter's shy, who's the most brutal. She's so metal. My God. Love really? that girl. Oh God, Jamie was scared of her. Uh, she's uh, she's just so hard. And she called me when she was listening to the Jasta podcast. Dad, you got to do it. I said I already said yes. You know, but she was like, Dad, Jamie, go with Jamie Jasta. You know, go with Jasta. And um, but Jamie would run past every song, past Shy. Hey, mm. what did Shy think? What did Shy think? Right. And I remember when we did for the love of metal. Uh, Shy said something to me. It was very cryptic at the time because I was just learning and understanding. She says, tell Jamie he needs a dirty breakdown and I want to hear the ting. And I what? was like, what? I said, <laughs> so I went Jamie? back to the studio and, and Jamie, I said, uh, he said, what did she think of a love of metal? He said, it needs a dirty breakdown. She wants to hear the ting. Guys, we need a dirty breakdown. Nikki, we need to hear the tape. I said, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and he explained to me that's when they go into that cut time. Dad, yeah, that's like halftime kind of thing. But it, 
always starts with if you listen carefully a ting on the ride symbol. Yeah, you gotta have that. It'll it'll ting ting, and they go. Now I know. Yeah. Now I know. That's and that's when I actually on stage in the live album. I turn to my daughter who's at Bloodstock. I go, "This is for you, shy the shy dirty breakdown." He's got to have a dirty breakdown. Shy and a ting. So, uh, so is are you and Jamie now sort of a team moving forward, or do you see yourself making other albums with other people, or is this sort of like a a John Bon Jovi, John Shanks thing where you're just like, yep, this is the team, this works, we keep going. I never had a team before. I mean, I don't mean within the band I've had a team, but it's sort of right. the production element Correct. of things, and I moved from producer to producer and was never happy or satisfied. Mm -hmm. uh, but now. Now you come to leave a scar and I call Jamie up. I said, I want to do a record. Well, now the whole process is refined. A, I have a band and they played on the record. And that was, and, and that was essential to me uh, that my guys play on the record. B, I knew I wanted Jamie to produce again. He got me. He understood. I knew Nikki was, I've just, it's just an insane, it, the sound of this record is great. He, he should be doing much bigger records. Yeah, it, it sounds amazing. Yeah. And, and, and it's so good when you go into a producer and they get you and you don't have to spend all those days explaining going, I need you. This is what I, uh, it's like, right yeah, now we, now we understood each other. And, and when I said, and I said, and I'm ready to participate. And where before we brought in a lot of outside writers and they and thank, I'm so thankful for those people who contributed. We're like, we got this. It's Charlie Belmore. I call him the riff monster. It's Jamie. It's me. And, uh, and we handle the writing now. And, and it's, it came out it's harder but it's but it's fo it's real people are saying it sounds more focused whatever it is it definitely feels that way like we get it now okay this is what we're doing move forward so i see no reason to you know to uh to break up the band so to speak yeah uh moving uh, forward yeah. because it just works by the way i don't i don't get the it's more focused because i would suggest that your other stuff was unfocused and i don't yeah. think any of your own music was unfocused so. no 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 i meant i meant the process I, oh I gotcha the, gotcha gotcha okay. the process on this record and just like more of a band vibe you know uh and, and you know what's funny because I, I fought for that as well because there's a lot of people I don't know. The producing's got so refined that everything is meticulous now. And yeah. well, technology. Did, did Jamie and, go in there, like on the grid, and you know, edit guitar parts, make sure everything's perfectly in time. Yes, or? and and there's the click, and there's a and 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 you know, and and auto tuning and everything, and that. I don't want to know when that became part of rock and roll, but it's kind of like the standard, mm -hmm. this pristine production values. And, you know, and you get the drums, even like these, you know, these, these, these death metal bands and, and, and these, these hard metal. I mean, those drums, they're too, yeah, too, triggered. I mean, too much trigger. And, I, and I'm not saying they're not playing whatever, but now that could be all fixed and polished and everything. And, there's a there's a this people sort of lean to that and when we went to the studio jamie wanted to basically just have a guitar player do a track you know and then that that guitar player do a track so everything is exactly mirrored and and i always said no man i it, i want both guitar players i want every i want to play on this i want that slight difference and jamie said to me you're right it's more priesty. It's more ACDC. It's, it's, it's got more life to it that both guitar players played on the track. And the slight difference is what just makes it a little bit fatter.
Yeah, no, totally. And that's the thing. It's you listen to a lot of modern records and everybody's drum samples sound the same. Everybody's guitar. So, you know, on this, you can actually hear, you know, you could hear his EVH amps and they sound like EVH amps and you can hear the drums. Right. You know, it's 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 a it's polished, but it sounds organic at the same time, if that makes sense. Awesome. No, and that's exactly. And it's, you know, we're riding a fence here in general on this record. I always say riding the fence is the most difficult place. It's easy to go off to one side or the other, get too polished or too sloppy, and find that what you like that, what you just described there. It's very difficult to ride, to ride that 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 line, so to speak. But yeah. I really think we do with this album. There you go. Well, listen, Leave a Scar, available July 30th, available wherever music is sold. Before we wrap, because we're running out of time, I have one question I always wanted to ask you. We're running out of time. How did we run out of time? We started oh, late. Well, uh, Dan Danny said that we have to be done by 2.15. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it, right? I, they, they changed my art shock. Okay, yes. <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, so ask that last question. Hey, man, it's a cover story. What's the last question? <laughs> one last question. I grew up a huge SpongeBob fan, and in the original SpongeBob movie, they used I Want to Rock, but they made it I'm a Goofy Goober, Goofy Goober Rock. And I was <laughs> how come it wasn't you that sang the song in the movie? Okay, well, okay, so this is the last question. It's a good one. I get the call. SpongeBob SquarePants movie wants to use I Want to Rock. I'm like, oh, amazing, amazing. One caveat is what? Management says that. Uh, they want to change the words to Goofy Goober Rock. And I was livid. Are you fucking kidding me? That's, that's my fucking art. That's my soul. What? How much? Do they want me to sing it? I mean, it was so much freaking money. I had two kids in college. I was like, oh, damn. I'll sing Goofy Goober Rock for that number. I'm yeah. a whore, but I'm an expensive whore. And uh, so, uh, yeah. So uh, that we, we did this song. That I didn't ask me to sing it. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm a Goofy Goober Rock. That, that was uh, the best. So so you yeah. did you rewrite the lyrics? and just didn't Oh, they did. Are you they kidding? Did Okay, so they, so they, they told me that's what they wanted to do, but you know, for 300k, uh, you know, I'll, whatever, I'll do anything. Just about. yeah, <laughs> you, me so too. You would have sang it if. if oh yeah, heard. hell yeah, with pride. Yeah. Yes, I was slipped in something about my kids need to go to college. I got to put food on the table. Right. Well, anyway, there we go. Let's and then we got to put leave a scar on the table. And uh, I, I got Danny telling me we got to go, so we got to go. All right, right. Well, we'll wrap up next time. You know, listen. Do we'll I do a part two? Hey, let's do a part two. We got more tracks coming out, Mitch. Love to talk yep. to you again. Give me more time here. Yep. Sorry it was rushed. I uh, appreciate your support, ongoing support for years. So Absolutely. I promise you a part two. All Thank right. you, sir. Have Thank a good you. one. All right, bye. Cheers. There you go. D. Schneider, everybody. The Leave a Scar, July 30. They should do I'm a Goofy Goober Rock as a Japanese bonus track to Leave a Scar because D doing that, Mitch, would be. Do you know Goofy Goober Rock? Are you familiar with the song? Or I must be because uh, you know, for, for for the longest time, I was friends with uh, Bob Kulik, who passed away sadly. Yeah, he worked and on the SpongeBob stuff, and, of course. And and <laughs> we listen. You do not know how many conversations me and Bob had about Sweet. Oh, Victory. I know, I know. <laughs> Jeez, I was on a couple of those texts, man. I know, and they were they were they were great, and 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 of course, my kids watch SpongeBob, and uh, I am a, a Paramount Plus subscriber, and they do show it's all the on there. It's great. It's all on there, so you gotta love that. And listen, the cool thing about Goofy Goober Rock is that they literally took "I Want to Rock," but instead of "I Want to Rock," it was "I'm a Goofy Goober Rock." Like, dude, it was awesome. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! And and by the way, this album is amazing. This "Leave a Scar," you yeah. know. You know, every time you get a new album from from a from an artist that's been around, and it doesn't matter if it's bands I love like Scorpions or Thunder or or Twisted Sister or D, yeah. The first time you put it on, there's always that little trepidation. Go, 
is this gonna is this gonna be horrible is this gonna make me not a fan is this and then you listen to this and you go ah yeah he's fucking still got it he still fucking got it it's good and do i want to be so bold to say that maybe this is his best release in the last 20 years or if not because you hear i gotta rock right into uh, all or nothing more right into down but it just it just pummels and pummels well listen to what he said man you know it's the first time he's actually gotten to write lyrics since the 90s and he was like i got something to say so you're really getting d as d being d so what do you want and it's it's nice to see a solo album from a from a quote unquote heritage artist, no no insult intended, that is not relying on that heritage to sell the new album, if you know what I mean. Yeah. There's no well, okay, this is not exactly I wanna rock, it's I want an AARP card. And it's uh <laughs> you know, he, he's not doing that. This is brand new, yeah. full, full metal, all it's 2021 metal it's full modern metal you can't go wrong it's good and dude yeah hey, and he's no resting getting, on laurels you're getting the filthy breakdown and you're gonna get to hear the ting all right so yeah i like ting <laughs> i like that you didn't know that as soon as you hear it in a song you you totally know oh i know what it i know it is but i, I never heard anybody call it the ting right <laughs> describe it like that <laughs> it's the ting it's like the the what? Yeah, the it's it, I love that you like at the end of a solo section section. Go, ding, 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 it's like the reset. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's it's the war call. That's where that's where the pit just smashes into each other. <laughs> oh my lord! All anyway, right, there well, we go. D. Snyder. Go. Leave a scar available July thirtieth. Available wherever buy music. Uh, make sure you uh, go like and subscribe. Go check that out. And uh, thanks a lot for listening, checking out the show. We'll be back next week with another episode. Mitch, there you go. I'm yeah, here. and uh, of course check us out on uh, Twitter at Mitch Lafon. A lot of nonsense going on there. Lots of nonsense lately, which is good. good nonsense. We like nonsense. Yep. There you anyway, go. there you go. All right. See you later, everybody. The Jeremy White Podcast. Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Available wherever you get your podcasts.